Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, where you are in the world. This is uh, Mark Nias. Another episode of Sea Stories. Uh, sea Stories is a new podcast where veterans, service members, active or retired, they share their military, a memorable military story. Today we have a very special guest, also a celebrity. If you watched um, PBS's show called Carrier, where they won the USS Nimitz uh, during their deployment, uh, you also saw this person. Uh, I had the pleasure of serving with Senior Chief Garcia when I was in Lemoore, my very first duty station, stationed out in the central Central California, in the San Joaquin Valley. Had orders to go to California, thought I was going to Southern California, <laughs> and didn't realize that I was in the middle of Green Acres. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, retired Senior Chief Mike Garcia here on Sea Stories. How you doing? Good, good. Glad to be here. Thanks, man. Thanks for taking the time to be on the show. And like I said, um, he was my supervisor at my very first duty station. Um, can you just give a description of Lamore, man, for the listeners? <laughs> this is a very unique place. Very unique place. It's uh, right in the middle of nowhere. It's it's a. Uh, uh, it's a few miles off of I-5. You never see it. You never see Lemoore. Uh, let's see. Uh, they used 198, which came off of, one, of I-5 to go to Lemoore. That's where they filmed the desolate area for uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, the movie with Steve Martin. And then, well, I uh, didn't even know that. Yeah. They used the cornfields out there. It's where they buried uh, um, Joe Pesci and um, uh, Goodfellas, I think it was. Or Goodfellas or Casino. One of the, wow. one of the two. They buried him out in the cornfield. Um but yeah, I mean, it was the base was right in front, right in the middle of all the farm fields. Remember that we had to pop dusters and we had to make sure they go up and yeah, and it was in the heart of, of where pretty much where they grow a lot of their their fruits and vegetables out there because a lot of the uh, the canneries were out there for the tomatoes. Man, you know what? And I never—that's the first place I saw a crop duster, and I was driving on the one ninety eight. I saw the crop duster flying low towards me, and I like swerved. <laughs> I thought the, the plane yeah. was gonna hit me, and then somebody was like, "Man, that's a crop duster. What are you doing?" I've never—that was my first time ever seeing one of them. Yeah, um, it's, they were a trip. Man, so you served uh, 26 years in the United States Navy. Yeah, I did. So, what was life before you um, before you joined the Navy, and what made you decide to enlist in the United States Navy? I was in college. I was going to UTEP. I was born and raised in El Paso. And I was going to college. And uh, to be honest with you, I was really bored. I, I mean, I had a, I made a mistake. I took a 730 class and I had a poli-sci class. So I really never went to class. I was always on the 
up in the library, third floor, first couch on the right after you came off the, uh, the elevators and I would sleep, you know, and um, I just didn't know what to do. And I was just I was really bored, bored with a lot of stuff. So I went to go see a recruiter. And, you know, at first I was going to go in by myself on a, just as a reservist. And then uh, a good friend of mine wanted to join, too. So we both went in together on the buddy program. I ended up, uh, I ended up enlisting uh, straight at going active duty without doing the reservist thing. It's just, uh, I have no idea. You know, I told my dad and my dad was kind of, he was mad at me for quite some time, actually, because he wanted me to, he wanted me to be the first one, you know, to go to college and, and graduate and everything else. But I just had no idea. And he was paying. Uh, my dad tells me I made the biggest adult decision because I, I, I was just wasting his money. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I, that's how I ended up in the Navy. Wow. And then how did you, um, choose air traffic control because i know me prior going into the military as much with a lot of people there's a misconception of what air traffic controller actually is so how did you like find out about the job and choose that rate this is actually kind of funny because i uh i I was going into uh uh the navy i wanted to be an aw you know i wanted to i wanted to be a rescue swimmer well when i got into boot camp because i went to boot camp in san diego uh, okay. 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 You know, so uh, and when I had to re- when I had to go to reclassification because for some reason I couldn't end up going to AW school. There was a wait or something, so they told me to pick something else. So, uh, and you're talking 1988 here, okay? Uh, okay. So I went back to the barracks and we we're sitting there, in the middle shining our boots, and I never forget the guy's name was from Wisconsin. His name was Kalsa, and I looked at him and I said, "Hey, man, what does that guy in the radar room do in Top Gun?" And he goes, that's he goes, That's what I want to do. So that's what I went. And I went and told the, the classification guy I wanted to be an air traffic control. I had never looked it up or nothing. And I it, I literally got it off of uh, Top Gun, you know. Uh, yeah. It's ironic because Top Gun had come out two years before that. Uh, you know, so it was, that's why I picked air traffic control, man. It was not, it was totally up because of a movie. You know what? That's, that's crazy because my... Um... Both of my parents were in the military, and that's how I found out about air traffic control. My dad was a senior chief recruiter, and he was like, what about being the air traffic controller? And I'm thinking air traffic controller is the guy with the the things in his hands that push back right. the airplane right. or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to be that. And he knew I'm a fan. Like, Top Gun is what got me into military uh, Navy aviation. Yeah. And uh, he was like, okay, I'm going to show you what air traffic controller does. And he showed me the video of when Tom Cruise buzzed the tower. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> yeah yeah and you know the you know everybody liked to say the, the phrase you know you know negative ghost rabbit patterns fool you know we all knew that that was once we got him became out of control it was laugh. wow and you, you you did a total of 26 we years and retired uh, senior chief man that's congratulations <laughs> man that's wow so, thank um, you but if you would have told me if you told me that when i maybe i would have i would have kicked you <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, So I know with the 26 years, and I'm pretty sure you did a lot of deployments within those 26 years. What are your memorable sea stories that you have to share? God, there's so so many. I mean, we used to get, you know, he said, I came in in 1988. You know, I was listening to your last podcast you were talking to. Is that Mark Holden? Was it what? Yeah, Yeah, Matt Holden. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you guys are talking about, you know, how he felt old because when somebody came and talked to him, you know, and, and 
You joined the Navy, what, 97, 98 is when you joined the Navy, right? Yeah, 19, uh, 1996, yep, yep. Yeah, so, you know, so I uh, I joined the Navy in 1988. It was still a Cold War, you know. Uh, uh, Vietnam had just ended in 75. So a lot of guys still in the Navy were from Vietnam, you know. So, uh, so imagine I feel a little old when – and uh, so I was on – I had the pleasure of being on ADAC Alaska. You know, I, that was my first duty station. Believe it or not, I loved it. Never been to Alaska. And uh, crazy, crazy stuff, you know, crazy times out there. I remember a lot of times where coming at night, we're going fishing or whatnot. Hey, we got, we lived all the way on the other side of the airfield. Well, the quickest way is through the airfield, you know, at night. So what we would do is just cut across the airfield, you know, cut across to get to our barracks. And um, I wasn't there when it happened, but I know there was had this guy uh, – Willie had a he had a, like a little Suzuki Samurai. Oh, I remember though. That was my first car. <laughs> yeah, I remember the really? Suzuki Samurai. Easy, easy to flip. Yeah, it looked like a little box. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, let me. <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this. He's he's running across. He's rolling across the runway, and <clears throat> you know the arresting gear we have is E28, but back then we had an E5 arresting gear too, which is it's just a cable that's on big old anchor chain. Wow. Well, you remember how and what happened to him? We had little like donuts that would keep it raised, right? So he hit it. And flipped, and flipped his uh, his Suzuki <laughs> stack, you know, onto the side. Oh Busted out wow! So him and uh, he was my roommate at the time. Uh, they he got out and they flipped this truck over, you know. But you still had all the fog, all the the glass on the runway. So uh, a good friend of ours was the uh, Navy H and uh, and the fire because uh, back then the fire department did the sweeping. So they called him. There he was at ten o'clock at night out there sweeping the runway to clean it up. You know, nobody ever knew about it. Nobody ever knew what happened, you know, but it was kind of one of those where sailors would be sailors, you know, sailors get in trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know how it is when you get bored, you always, you find something to do, you know, and, and uh, uh, we used to do some crazy stuff in Alaska. I mean, we had, we still had beer machines in the barracks, you know, so, so we'd go to the club and, and do whatever you want, you know, and come back and, hey, let's keep drinking. Well, I ran out of beer. Well, guess what? I got dollar bills. You know, you kept dollar bills in your in your drawer like you were going to a strip bar or something, because, but it was for the uh, the beer machines, you know. So back then they had beer machines in the barracks? Yeah, it was a Coke oh. machine. It was a Coke machine. You know, matter of fact, we had one in A school. We had one in A school because I went to A school in Millington, Tennessee. Barracks, South 420 is where we were at. Yeah. Wow. It... <laughs> Man, they, yeah. Didn't have, they didn't have that Lamore. <laughs> no, that's about the time they started trying to to desensitize all the, the alcohol and stuff and you know and the military and, and but when I first joined you know it was kind of like hey you know you work hard you party hard and yeah um, oh boy did I you know I, I did my fair share and in, in all my duty stations to be honest with you you know I just I uh, uh, especially you know when you go out to sea you know it is when you go out to sea you're on you're on the ship you know you're on the body dick yeah you know yeah and uh I remember going on the Nimitz. I was on Nimitz twice. I was in Nimitz. I went to the Nimitz in, uh, from 94 through uh, 98 and then 0206. Uh, I spent a lot of time on her, you know, and I, I did. I got to do the four or five cruises on her. Mm-hmm. And, man, I remember going out. and We were just, we were, we were stationed. Uh, there was this one time. It's, it's kind of a, it's really weird. But we were in, out of Bremerton, Washington. So we would have to go down to San Diego. Yeah. And we'd have to get underway to go to San Diego, get your air wing to go work out there, you know, off the off the coast out there. Well, 
We pull into see. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. San Diego. Hey, we'd only been out to sea for three, four days, dude. But you pull to San Diego, it's like, hey, it's party time, you know? Oh, yeah. So we, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd end up at Dick's Last Resort, you know, just drinking away, just drinking away. And, and you know, they're finally trying to cut you off. Hey, we got to cut you off. Who's driving? Hey, public transportation. You know, we just take cab, but you know how that is. Yeah. <laughs> Had to, you know, talk to our families. But um, we're coming back from partying, and we're in a cab, and there's a guy sitting on my lap, and we're, because, you know, you remember we used to pack into cabs, you know, how, how cheap we were? You know, you yeah. pack six cab to get you back, but, well, he says, man, I got to puke, I got to puke. I said, use your glass. He had a, the glass room. And he threw up in the glass, and it started to overspill and spill on my leg. Oh man! <laughs> and we were right before the Coronado Bridge, <clears throat> right? We were just we had just got over the Coronado Bridge because he couldn't stop on top of it. <clears throat> Cab driver gets out, lets us off. Remember where the toll booths used to be, and then you go straight down. There's a, like a little neighborhood to the right there. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. He let us off right there, kicked us out of the cab. Well, I'm a sympathy puker, man. So I get oh, out. You, and I, you caught it. <laughs> yo, yeah. I just start going to town. Took my shirt off, found somebody's water hose, you know, so we're wetting each other down. So we had to walk all the way from the Coronado Bridge all the way to the boat, you know. And you know how it is when you get to the boat, you got to request permission to come aboard. Oh, my boy couldn't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't even talk. <clears throat> so we both get on with me and uh, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Bobby. We get on the other side of him. And I said, you hold his ID up and I'll talk for him. So he held his ID up and I kind of looked over to the side and I said, request permission to come on board. And then us all three go, you know, so I had to walk him to his, to his rack. Oh, man. But that was just a, one of those weird times is, you know, <clears throat> you're still drunk. But how can you think of that to get somebody on board? To boat? Oh, yeah. You know? Ingenuity. Quick yeah. Oh, now you can't do that. <laughs> now you're going to mass. But, you know, it's kind of. We're all friends, you know, of course, you know, of course, you know, on deployment, you know, how it is you you're with each other 24 seven. You're with each other more times than when you are with your families, you know, Yeah. And you get that bond, that brotherly bond, you know. And then when women came on board, because I was on shift with both without women and then with women, you know, so uh, you get that bond, you know, so you fight with each other all the time, you know. But, you know, the practical jokes that you play on each other, you guys, you know how that is. Oh, yeah. I remember um, when we were in Lemoore, <laughs> the uh, the keys. Then we put somebody's keys in a. They put the, the car keys in like a ice and put it in the yes. freezer. <laughs> you know, kind of things like that. You know, I was at I was at sea, and uh, we had been out to sea. And, you know, when it gets you know to get to the ship, you know, crews turn over all the time. Well, you know, it's a bunch of the new guys going out, and and well, we're out this we're we're on cruise, <clears throat> and this had to be I think ninety five cruise, and uh, we get a box in the mail. And then a friend of mine says, hey, look, we got a box. So it's from two other guys who used to be on the boat. You know, we just read this letter da, da, and he goes, hey, put the put the brownies on the on the on the on the plot table so everybody can have. Yeah. <clears throat> the 
bottom of the note says, P.S. Tell Mike and Bob not to eat the brownies. So they came and told us not to eat the brownies. So there's only four of us that didn't eat the brownies. <clears throat> Everybody else scarfed them up. Let me tell you what. They made those brownies with, I think they said, four or five boxes of egg chocolate x lax Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know, it, it's, that's a cruel practical joke, you know, but at the time you're like, who? You know, and everybody asked, did, did you get, did you get sick? Nope, I didn't because I didn't eat them, yeah. you know? Well, why didn't you eat them? So, ah, I don't know. You know, you're not going to sit there and tell I was pre-warned. You know how that works, you know? But yeah, yeah. Was, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, it is just the things that you do and in, in, uh, during cruise to, well, that was, you don't do that to each other on cruise, but you know, that was just one of the things that, that happened, but you know, uh, I did a lot of other things, you know, where you get there. Uh, you remember how the ships, you know, they were, we used to go to the walkabouts. We used to do this to the new kids. This was before hazing was really bad. <clears throat> we take the new kids, you know, and we would start walking forward. You know, we'd start in the hangar bay and then we'd go up. <clears throat> On the carrier, we'd go all the way forward. We'd go up by the anchor windlass and stuff in the, in the, and start going quicker and quicker, going up and down ladders and through berthings. Mm-hmm. Well, eventually we got fast enough to where we, we lost the guy who was following us. Which happened to be one of the new guys. So here we go. We go back to Katzi. We're sitting in there. We're waiting for him to come back. Man, two hours had gone by. A guy hadn't come back. We finally find him. He goes, I've been walking around this in a circle for two hours because we lost him. We used to call the walkabout, you know. So he didn't know how his way to get his way to get back, <laughs> you know, because he kept running into the same birthings, same ladder wells. Yeah. He didn't realize, you know, that there's those ladder wells that go all the way down to the hangar bay and they'll get you to wherever you need, need to go. But, you know, it's kind of yeah. things like that. But after you're at sea for a while, man, you know them days. Uh, uh, them days for me are, are gone. But uh, there's um, a lot of my first cruise. I would say my first two cruises are a blur. Oh, <laughs> you know, a... pulling into port. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know. I, I actually um, went to uh, my. Uh, uh, do you remember uh, Seneca Hall? He's like, a, yeah. He's, Master Chief Seneca Hall. Yes, Master Chief. So <laughs> we both went to the uh, the Bonham Richard together outside of Lemoor. Uh He went to the ship before me, but I remember that he took care of me on the ship. Uh, when I f- uh, first got on the ship, we were like in Bahrain, and our first port that we hit was um, was in Thailand. Oh yeah, and in Thailand, I got wasted. I remember I was drinking. And our supervisor was like, uh, Petty Officer AC1 Welsh was like, Seneca, make sure he gets on the boat tomorrow. <laughs> I ain't got that drunk. So when you say, and that was, that was my introduction to the ship. I got to San Diego, was in TPU for a little while. They flew me out to the ship in Bahrain. First port we hit, Thailand, I got wasted. And then, like you said, the rest of that cruise coming back was a blur. So yeah. I could relate. And then a good, a good, port to be introduced and to thailand you guys you guys went to patia or you go to phuket oh we were in phuket we were in phuket. oh yeah you went to the resort because you're a small boat yeah. so we had to we had to go to patia and uh i tell you what you never even phuket the same way i mean for sure you see that you see things that you never even heard of oh yeah <laughs> you know you see things you never heard of you're like whoa you know I, does that stuff really happen patia had this bar called the carousel bar and it, it it turned really, really slow, you know. You could barely, and when you're drinking there, you didn't feel it. But let me tell you what, when you were drunk, 
whoo, that was the fastest ride you ever been on. And you're trying to, <laughs> <laughs> and you're trying to time your jump. You know, I actually jumped off that stupid bar and I fell down flat on my face because I was just, <laughs> I, 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 I probably, I don't even know how I got back to, I stayed in a hotel, you know, but I didn't, uh, we had to pull out. We were getting Liberty launched a lot of times. So, yeah. man, we used to watch people on Liberty launch just sit there, you know, bashing their heads because they're so drunk they can't even hold up their heads, you know, and, uh, it's in sailors are being sailors. I mean, uh, beer days. You remember beer days? Yeah, we had a we had a beer day. Uh, yeah, we were out to sea like for 40, 49 days, and we had a beer day, two beers. I remember yep. that. Yeah, I always had. Uh, I, I got lucky on on ships. I made a lot of friends, so my tier my two beers turned into six and seven. You know, because I had the, oh man the hookup with the with the beers and stuff. You, you know. Especially my last cruise, because my la- well, my last cruise, I was the uh, the surface warfare coordinator for uh, for uh, uh, the for the ship. You know, so a lot of people had I would be favors. You know how that is. You know how oh, yeah, the boat oh, works. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a part man. It's the barter system, and it's a um, it was a, a, a it's, it's a shock. You know, it's if you're a civilian, it's hard for you to relate to kind of the stuff that. That happens on the boat, but you know, we, we still trade. Remember all the trading that would go on? Oh yeah, if you if you knew somebody in supply, you had the hookup. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe boots. To get boots, you know, and you'd be surprised what five what five pounds of coffee could get done for you, you know. Yeah. But uh, we did that. We had uh God, we had this guy. God rest his soul, Clint Blades. Clint, Clint Bates. He was a uh, he he passed away a few years ago and uh me and him were on the Nimitz in the in the nineties, and uh, man, you want to talk about? Uh, uh, I could tell Clint we could be out at sea, and I tell, hey Clint, man, I need a fifty-seven Chevy. Can you got? I got it for you, you know. And stuff would magically a- appear, you know, because yeah. he he had the charisma to where he would talk. You know, he could talk to people. I remember one time we're doing we're doing Hoover Hummer ops, so we're doing flat ops late, so it's like two o'clock in the morning. You know, and all of us have been working all, we've been working all day and all night. And we turn around, Clint, should be nice if we had some donuts and some milk. Then this, then this guy go down to the Mestics, put on a hat, walk in there, grab a tray of donuts and a five gallon jug of milk and came up to Katsy. And we said, how did you get that? Anybody asked you? He said, nope. Just put a hat on, act like you know what you're doing, go get it. And nobody ever tell you anything. Wow. <laughs> This dude was, I mean, he was the coolest dude ever because, I mean, Catfish would call him, you know, he, he, if whatever you needed, Clint would get you, you know, and he, he he's one of those crafty dudes, man, hey, I need this guy, you know, he had funny stories with that guy, just, he was just one of those guys that was just hilarious all the time, you know, you have that one guy in, in your, in your division always, that one guy. That can make everybody laugh no matter what, and, and, and you needed that comic relief on the ship too, especially being out to sea for so long. It's... Oh yeah, yeah. You know you're over here at sea a hundred days, man. This stuff gets it gets, it gets old. You know, it gets, it's it's like uh, what is it that movie Groundhog Day? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's uh, not, it's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> and I said, uh, I tell some of my friends, I'm like, you know, there was a, a little aspect of Oz. You know, remember that show Oz? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of the eyes reminded me of being on the ship. <laughs> so. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> it kind of seemed like being in prison, though, a little bit. You know, it's like when we, you know, when you transferred, that, that was your parole date. That was your release date. You know, that's what you knew, you know, because remember you come off deployment, all your stuff stinks. You know, It just smells like the boat. You can't get that, that yeah. boat smell away from you, you know, but... Uh, uh, man, I had some, I had some, I had some good times, and we had some hard times too. You know, I, I was, I was, uh, I got to meet a lot of people during my my twenty six years. You know, I, I was all the way from Alaska to the ship twice, and uh, in Corpus Christi, Kingsville, I went down to South Texas twice, and uh, I went to Diego Garcia. Man, love that island, love Diego Garcia. I'm telling you that right now. Ah, man, that was such an awesome island. Uh, I was a senior chief when I went there. I went. I was the I was the ATCFO and okay. the uh, and the leading chief for for ops. And it was only me and another uh, the master chief and myself and one other senior chief. There was two senior chiefs and a master chief. There, we were the two highest uh, ranking people there. We had we had a chief special, I think about ten. But man, I'm gonna talk about having fun. I mean, they talk about drinking. Oh man, everything was two dollars there, Mark. Everything was two bucks. I can imagine being on that island. It's like, man, ain't that. It's like in the Pacific, right? South Pacific. It's in the Indian Ocean. It's a thousand miles south of India. It, it's a British wow. island. It's a British Indian Ocean territory. When the uh, Afghan, when the Australians would come from uh, Afghanistan, that we were the middle point. So they would okay. stop there, we'll stay the night and whatnot, you know. But it was owned by the Brits, so the Brits owned the island. So we had to do, we did things with the Brits all the time. You know, we put colors up when we did colors. You know, the funny thing, we always went first. Mm. We always put our colors up first, you know, and we'd always take it down first. And, you know, we folded our flag very, we're, you know, very traditional. You know, we did everything by the book, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, everything respecting the flag and, and our country, you know. And, man, the Brits, they wore these, uh, uh, their, their tropic attire was like, sh- I'm short, short. It looked like running shorts, man. It looked like they're four-inch shorts. <laughs> Girls wear short shorts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And they were khaki, you know. They had a khaki button-down shirt with it, you know. And they would wear Sperry's, man. That was that was your uniform, you know. And this beret, and they would take down this flag, and all they would do is roll it up and shove it in a little cubby, you know. So you'd sit there and watch these guys. Half these guys, most of these guys were in the morning, man. Were ha- were still drunk and sitting here doing colors. Yep, yeah, man. They wore those short shorts, <laughs> you know. And it was it's it kind of like man. Yeah, you know, you tell a couple guys, don't don't be sitting down. You know, watch how you sit down because I don't see nothing from underneath. You know, <laughs> you yeah, don't. I don't want to see something. You, I, I got you. Oh wow! My, my next door neighbor was the, the the Royal Marine Sergeant Major, so he was in charge of the the, uh, the boys there. But he was Scottish, 
So whenever they did formal uniform stuff, he wore a kilt. You know, he'd wear a kilt. We had one guy. What do you wear under your kilt? Well, if you have to ask what you wear under a kilt, then you don't really want to know. No. It's like, hey, you're, you're right. And he, you know, he tells me, you know, he says, all right, do you want me to get you a kilt, mate? No, I said, I'm good. I'm, I, you know, <laughs> I'm good. They look nice and all, but I, I'm all right, you know. And uh, uh, but again, cool people, you know, the Brits, some they were a little weird, but uh, um, they had a Brit club. You know, remember how everything had a Navy club and then, well, we had a Navy club that would close, shut down at two o'clock in the morning. The hmm. Brit Club would open up about midnight. Wow! And the Brit and the Brit Club would stay open until the last person left. Wow! They so they would stay until the last person left, no matter what time. Yeah, I you know one time one time I did it till we seven o'clock in the morning. We were still there drinking, and uh, uh, I see the Brits passed out. So I took a picture, you know, and I took a picture of the sailors. It was my division. We're still everybody's still partying. My department. We're still everybody's still partying. So. I saw Sergeant Major. I said, "Man, I thought you Brits could handle your liquor." And he thought we can. I said, "Really?" I said, "We all did." I wonder if this is part of UE strategy. Drink them, and he comes up to me. He says, "That'll never happen again, mate." So tonight, you be there again tonight. I said, "Man, I can't do this two nights in a row." You know, I'm getting old. Coming at eight o'clock in the morning, you know, it, it's it was it, it was hard, but it was uh, it was hard, but it was fun. You know, because yeah. that's that's how we surpassed the time, you know. Uh, we had some good times like that in the more too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I remember. Um, dang, what was the name? They had closed down Squiggly's Native Area Fifty One, but there was another place. I remember because um, uh, I was actually roommates with uh, Blake Wood, but we were in a different. Uh, I think we had like the two shifts, right? The morning shift and yeah. the night shift. So the time that I was working the night shift, I got off. And I forget the name of the place. It was uh, it was on Main Side. It was like a little bar, and the guys that were working the morning shift were still there drinking. I'm like, you guys. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, it was that little one over there that had the little pool. They had the yeah. pool right there. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name of that one too. Yeah, we used to do that, or we used to go with drinking with Lincoln out and down. You know, we had to buy the pennies, and we would sit out there and drink. We had some, we had some fun time there. You know, a lot of. You know, big and softball in, in Lemoore. You remember that? Everybody, yeah. that was that was the thing with Senior Chief Stevens and, and them, you know. And uh, I was on the boat with those guys. I was in Lemoore with them before. I mean, it, before Lemoore, I was on the ship with them. I was in, I was on Nimitz with them. Oh, okay. Oh, speaking you know, of Nimitz, before I forget, the um, the Carrier, how was that experience, man, being on that uh, the reality show, uh, Carrier? It was pretty cool. It, w- it was cool, you know. It, it had some... Fun moments, you know, when they came into into Katsy and and they said, "Well, because the first night they just came in to observe, you know." And, and I was the I was the Katsy chief at the time, and uh, our divo was uh, Sue Beckman, man, most awesome person in the world, man. She's the most she took care of us like 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 um, like we were children, you know. Mm-hmm. And we needed something, you know. Sue would help you, but they came in, they saw the rapport that we had with each other and stuff like that, so. <clears throat> they were doing Sue at first, and then they decided to mic me up as well. Yeah. And, you know, so you were always mic'd up. And, and uh, you know, sometimes Catsy just gets really, really hairy, you know. Yeah, tense. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, I would say I was thinking to myself afterwards. I was like, man, don't cuss. Don't cuss. Don't cuss. But, you know, sometimes they just had to because things were just going going crazy, you know. And uh, uh, the PAO... We used to watch the footage after 
at night, you know, approve it whether they can go or not, you know. Then the captain would see it. Well, it was a, it was really cool because they followed a lot of people around, you know, and uh, you always knew, you knew the things that there was real life was going to come out on this, one, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, I had a lot of fun with it, and uh, we would just do dumb things like you know we would turn the, the music on in between recoveries to try and get back the flow you know and then you're talking god you're talking oh three or no that's it'd be oh four oh five yeah right? so the music back then you know i told everybody okay bring up your songs you know and, and what lot you know and you know we're a bunch of grown uh, grown men and women so we didn't have to use censored music you know that we're playing in there you know so uh, of course you know i would do the the, the country and rock thing all the time. And then, you know, I had people come, I'd bring in a couple songs. So we'd have, and then I, <clears throat> dude, I put up a disco light in the, in Katsy. <laughs> a disco light and some other, some uh, other lights. So during recovery, we would turn on this disco lights and uh, turn the music up loud. And then people, people dance. I, I think there's footage of that on. Yeah. They were, uh, <laughs> uh, they were dancing to uh, Motown Philly and the disco light. Yeah. Was going. yeah, that was, yeah. Hey, that was, that was my song there. That was my song. I'm a big voice to men fan. <laughs> it was so funny, but that's the stuff they used to do, man. And, and, and that was uh, Sean Russell and and, um, uh, and Chris Yates. That's they did that all the time. They get it there and they do their own dancing thing. Well, you know what? They would take that out when we were in town, dude. They would do the same thing. Same thing. They didn't care. We were in San Diego. We were on deployment, but you saw that. That's the kind of fun we used to have, you know. And then. the the one part they had was uh, was pitching deck. Yeah, the pitching deck. Uh, <clears throat> pitching decks aren't fun on carriers to begin with, you know. And uh, we were on our way to Australia. That's where we were going. And uh, I came in, and I really wasn't because I was. We we only had two months left to cruise, so I I was already training the guys because I was, was leaving, so I had to let them. Or for the first part, you see me sitting there with Sue, and yeah. we're talking. At first, we were just talking. I was just playing, I know, because I wasn't supposed to be working. And but I was still mic'd up because I was in there with Sue, and that's just the thing they did me and Sue all the time. Yeah. So, uh, it was a twelve plane recovery. That's what it was. And so I sat there and I'm watching and I'm watching. I'm making sure the soup's doing what they need to do. Well, we get the first three back. And we're okay. I think it was the fourth one, the fourth or fifth one we got back. And that's when Sue says, you need to get in there. You know, you need to get in there. And it wasn't because it's what the soup wasn't doing was wrong. I just had the most experience. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> so I get in there, you know, we cleaned it up. But it wasn't me. It was everybody on that team. Everybody did an amazing job. And, and you only get to see little bits of it on the um, on the documentary. But you saw it, the intense the intensity level in that room that night was so high. Uh, your adrenaline was going, my adrenaline was just going through the roof, you know, because you got all this and you, you're, you're blue water. So you don't have these planes can't go anywhere, but the, but the, but the, the ship. Yeah, exactly. You know, if not, the, if not, there's a pilot going swimming and you're putting, you know, 45, $50 million in the water. <clears throat> yeah. And that's, <clears throat> that's taxpayer money. You know, you don't want to be doing that, but, um, and they launched a, we had a couple tankers at launch because we were getting low on gas and stuff like that. Well, I'm mean, because we were just getting them back. Uh, it was a hairy, hairy night. But I will tell you what, the, those that crew that we had in that room were so very professional and some some amazing people 
that that did the job. I mean, that everybody did their job, and we were able to to put that night away. And everybody, and the biggest thing that I used to always tell everybody is, <clears throat> didn't matter whether we had a good night or a bad night. Is everybody going to bed in their own rack tonight? Yeah. Answer was yes. That means every pilot was getting back. He was going back to bed in his own rack. So guess what? Whether we had a bad night or not, we still had a good day because everybody came home. Yeah, that's the one thing we say. Like, hey, nobody died. So yeah, it, and then that crew, day. that crew that I was with, that 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 crew, Mark. I mean, um, there was some awesome people. You know, there was some awesome people. Some some great workers. You know, uh, uh, Larry Stokes was out there, and Ch- uh, Charles Camp. You know, I call him Chip Charles. He was he was my roommate out in town, and. and uh, uh, John Darcy was out there with John Darcy was out there with me. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember Darcy. Yeah, he was stationed Lamore too with us. Yeah, you know Bishop was out there with me too. Bishop and Corey Miller. Oh, Matt, uh, Matt Bishop. Uh, uh, Jared Bishop. Okay, Bishop. Yeah, and I remember. I remember Corey Miller. Yeah, I remember Miller. Okay, okay. Yeah, they were with me too. They came out too, so it was cool. You know, we had all these uh, people that I knew from Lamore. You know, but man, I had a I had a great crew. I, that cruise was really weird because everywhere you went, you saw the microphone, you saw the camera crew. You know, I mean, they were in mm-hmm. everything. They were in everything. The only thing the captain wouldn't let them film is uh, chiefs uh, or chief stuff because I made chief that cruise. So he okay. didn't let him film, that, and he did let him film Wog Day. Oh yeah, so Wog Day. <laughs> our skipper, our, our skipper said, you know, hey. We're wogs, you know, so we're, I mean, we're crossing the equator, so we are doing this and nobody's filming it, you know, yeah. because he wanted a good time within parameters, you know. So the funny thing, dude, this is, <laughs> I was going through chief finish. I was going through chief finish at the time and uh, I was down in the mess and I was getting yelled at and I was getting beat up, man. I just, cause nothing, I had to say nothing is right, you know. Mm-hmm. So I had to get up and this was right before, this was like a few nights before he got pinned and, uh, so I had to get up and say something about my sponsor, what I know about my sponsor and stuff like that. So it was uh, it was a senior chief, it was our, uh, our LCPO. And so uh, I get up there and say, oh, my senior chief has taught me this, this and that, that, that. You know, and we go through and then they're like, all right, you know, some of them are all. And, you know, of course, I'm getting called the butt kisser and all kinds of because I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm saying good things like because it, it's a it's a I wasn't going to win. I wasn't going to lose, you know, because I was whatever I said was always going to be wrong. Yeah, it's an issue. You know? So at the end, I say, I want to get a parting shot for you all, though. Senior chief is a walk. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about a bunch of people that went off <clears throat> and the dirtiest look I got from her because she was an East Coast sailor. So she had never crossed the equator. Oh, OK. OK. So she yes, yeah, she hadn't been initiated. Oh, and I made sure the mess knew that she was a walk. Oh, I tell you what, I got a bunch of people come up. Give me a high five. Hey, that's good. That's good. You did a good. Man, I'm going to get her. (laughs) You know, I get payback. Yeah. But hey, she was a champ. She went through, you know, it was, it was really cool. But uh, the cameras sometimes were cool. Sometimes we're, we're, we're in the way, you know, and sometimes the cameras got you in trouble. I, I, I kind of got in a little trouble. Well, what happened was after I got pinned, right? I'd been up for 48 hours, mm-hmm. you know, 15 minutes nap, at nap there, there, you know, I was getting beat up, not literally beat up, but just, you know, run through the ringer. Well, so it's my first night as a chief. So I still had to, I got, we got pinned at everything about seven fifteen in the morning. So I went to take a nap eight, 
then I came up to work because I still got to work. You know, I was the cast chief. I still had to be there. Yeah. So it was in between recoveries. So I sat back a little bit. I sat back on the watch officer's chair because uh, the ensign went to go get some meat or something. So I'm sitting back, man. I doze off. I fell asleep. I ain't gonna lie. I doze off, fell asleep, you know, and an aircraft checks in. So I get up right away. As soon as I hear check in, I get up and start getting everything ready. And everything. Well, everything. Well, the camera crew's in there because I'm mic'd up and they're filming. Well, the footage goes to the PAO. Doesn't the PAO tell the officer, tell the skipper that I need to be written up for sleeping on duty? Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He tried to use it. He tried to get me in trouble, use it up for to sleeping on duty, you know, that I was asleep on duty. That they have they caught me on film sleeping, you know, and I was sitting there on watch with a headset in my ear and everything else, you know. But but the one thing that, you know, I got a few a few names for the guy. But for the one thing you need to understand, we always had a, <laughs> you know, we always had a headset on. We always had it in our ear, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 we did. <laughs> yeah, we on. Even if you weren't, even if you weren't on duty, you were monitoring the frequency and, and just yeah. I'm not gonna put it on speaker, dummy. I just got yeah. it in my ear, and I got up and I, I did what I needed to do. And and well, I got back to my air ops officer, who's Commander uh, Chris Toysher, man, good guy, good guy. And then uh, uh, the opso was awesome, you know, and Skipper uh, really cool. And uh, it got back, and he tried to he tried to hammer me, and he tried to take me to mass. Wow. For, for this, you know, but like I said, I had a good chain of command. So my officer, my ops officer, they stood up and said, "Are you crazy?" He didn't miss a beat. We didn't hear nothing. Nothing went wrong, you know. And that's when they tried to. He had just been up for forty-eight hours. This is his first watch. Here's back. He never missed. You know, I never missed. I was always on watch. I ever did that. He goes. So he falls asleep for three minutes in between recoveries. In and so you know and. uh <clears throat> He hadn't shown it to the skipper. He'd only shown it to the XO. Well, the opso, you know, called XO and skipper right away about it, you know, and it got squashed, you know, mm-hmm. but this is where, you know, the film crew, it kind of hurt because here you got somebody who's out to, you know, he's a lieutenant. I think he'd been in the Navy for like 10 minutes, you know, and <laughs> he's going to, he's going to tell me that, you know, he's going to say that. And it was just kind of, so that's where the film crew kind of, it did. It was fun. We got to know him. It was a blast. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll live forever being, you know, my I'll forever be on tape somewhere. You know, so that was that was really cool. Um, to get asked about it all the time, and everybody that was on there, you pretty much know everybody, and you pretty much knew everybody that was on it, and yeah, uh, you know the people they went through. But it was, it was a, a it was a good time. It was a good time. It was. Uh, I think that did a lot for the carrier, you know, for everybody in general to see how we work every day. Nah, you get, because, you know, ship, there's nothing like um, shipboard life. So we got like five minutes. Uh, Any thoughts, anything you want to say in regards to your your 26 year career in the military? Uh, I had a blast. I had a blast. Um, it was an honor to serve my country. It really was, you know. I wish I could have stayed in for the rest of my life. I, I really wished I could have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't regret any part of being in the Navy. Yes, there were good times and, and, and there were bad times, you know, like anything else. But in all, I don't regret a single bit, you know. I spent my entire adult life from the age of 18 
to the age of 44 in the military. You know, and I loved every minute of it, Mark. I got to meet a lot of great people. I got to meet you. You know, I got people a little yeah. more, you know, that, you know, I, and people that I, I still have friendships with it in, and bond people never went through, went through together. Yeah. You know, whether you were on the ship, whether you were on, whether you were on shore duty, you know, it, it would still, uh, it's still a bond that, that's, that I believe is unpenetrable and unbreakable. No, you're exactly right, man. I mean, as we sit here and talk, I mean, that was like 20 years ago. Damn near. I mean, I was in Lemoore from 97 to 2000 and we, we haven't talked in a while. And it's like, hey, time never, time never went, went by as we talk and, you know, about talking about the experiences. And to, for me, it was the best one of the best decisions I made in my life. I can say, oh, honestly yeah. say that. Definitely, you know, and uh, now through, I, I, I love technology now. I really do. You know, it was hard to get through the change, but <clears throat> Facebook, you know, I've got to see, you know, your career uh, flourish in, in music, you know, and uh, Jared Bishop, the same way he got, you know, and his music thing going on too. So it still, it got me, it was, I'm able to reconnect with everybody else, you know, and we could talk, you know, I say, hey, see something on your, on your, on your, uh, facebook page or something you know it's really cool you know we can touch in touch base there you know mm-hmm. so i like it because it lets us reconnect and, and brings back a lot of very very fond memories yeah so hey mike um thanks man thanks for your service i hey thanks for being a cool supervisor the, the stories i remember you told us in a in the break room <laughs> in labor and uh hey thank you for taking the time to be on sea stories definitely gave us a lot of a lot of good stories and your your great 26 year career and um any last words you want to say before we sign off no it was my pleasure and 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 thank you i hope there's more out there that'll come and do the same thing it it gives us all old guys all vets that and active to a way to still be connected with each other and understand each other so there you go sea stories another great episode with retired senior chief mike garcia here on sea stories mark and mike signing off